It is football and other F-words. Breaking news, the Tennessee Titans have hired the only sensible and logical choice in Brian Callahan, former Bengals offensive coordinator. What a day to be alive and a, a vast departure from what Mike Vrabel philosophically stood, from what he is. It is. It feels so great. My personal number one choice. Uh, I'm joined by Stoney. We may be joined by Brayden. We are, of course, going to be joined by all of you. Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. Uh, couldn't get Mike. He said, of course, the shitty Titans break this news at the shitty t- bedtime. So he's putting his kid away to bed, and he could not join us for this whole thing. But hallelujah. And in fact... Because of bluegrass beverages, I can actually do this. Oh, we're popping bottles. We're popping <laughs> bottles, baby. <laughs> I got a little cold IPA action going, but uh, regardless, <sighs> Titans fans, here's to you. As I just spill it all over myself. But that's okay. Pop them bottles. Get all your freaking liquor, your celebratory drinks, bluegrass beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. It was announced earlier today, and we talked about it on a football show, that uh, he was coming in for his second interview, but also Thomas Brown was coming in for a second interview as well today. And, of course, Dan Quinn was coming Wednesday. The Dan Quinn stuff kind of threw everything off, I feel like. But at the end of the day, with two other head coaching oper- second interviews for Brian Callahan coming up, the Tennessee Titans just went ahead and got their man. And I want to say that they got their man just because if you go back and read some of the tweets, because, you know, when this happens and you have your notifications on, right, when this happens, your timeline is filled with the same people saying the same thing. And it just kind of gets a little confusing. Right. And there were a lot of tweets, you know, Diana Rossini, Titans get their guy exclamation point and all that kind of stuff. But Brian uh, Callahan a hot. This is from Tom Pelissero. Brian Callahan became a hot candidate in recent days with several second interviews. Tennessee didn't want to wait and is locking in its top pick, and that's what we talked about today. Uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, group chats and stuff. Me and you, Stony, talking about how we wouldn't be surprised if it came across the next forty-eight hours. Because if you got your guy, sign your guy. If he's the guy, well, and he seemed like the the guy, right? Yeah, and, and really. Kudos to Amy Adams Strunk. The decision to fire Mike Vrabel was met with a lot of criticism. There were there were a certain sect of Titans fans that were happy that she made the move, but there were a lot of people. And uh, Ed Werder's old busted ass is on Twitter today talking about it too. That were critical of the Titans not pursuing a trade and all that, and just firing him to supposedly get a head start on the coaching cycle. It looks like that paid dividends now because does this happen if if Amy Adams Strunk waits a while to evaluate and, and eventually decide to move on from Mike Vrabel. I don't know. Well, I mean, he was the he excuse me, because I'm drinking the champagne. It's gonna get a little burpy and gassy up in here. But I'm with you. Uh when it comes down to it, that he was the first candidate announced. Justin Mello broke that news first, right? The first one announced. He's the first one announced shortly after that that he was getting a second interview. Just seem like they were locked in on Brian Callahan from the get go, as they should be. Yes. Right. First off, he now I don't even know who it is, 
but he was the longest tenured offensive coordinator in the NFL at, at towards the end of this year. Don't know who it is now, but he'd only been there since 2019. So to me, it's like this guy had everything that you needed, right? In sure. the next head coach. Yeah. He had the staff. The, theoretically, mm -hmm. he has the staff he can bring. He has the experience that you want. He has the systems that you need. But more importantly, he knows how to communicate with everybody from Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning on how to play the quarterback position. So he is like Will Levis's best friend. I mean, I'm sure Will Levis is jumping for joy with this uh, with this news. So, Stoney, let me ask you, is this the best hire? I mean, I told you over the weekend, it's a pipe dream. I wanted Ben Johnson. It doesn't sound like Ben Johnson's returning their calls. So if you take that name off of the board, looking at the available candidates, I think Brian Callahan was the perfect hire. You mentioned his connections in the coaching world and his theoretical potential ability to assemble an all-star coaching staff, but it's also the stuff like the uh, the report that circulated recently, the story that I, I don't remember who who did it, but the um, when they talked to T. Higgins and T. Higgins was talking about how he responded to Callahan's coaching and how he explains things in a way that makes sense and he's a clear communicator and all that stuff, you pair it with the responsibilities that he's had as the Bengals offensive coordinator that we heard from Zach Taylor. And it sounds like a logistical expert with a knack for offensive football. He's coached some pretty good quarterbacks. He's been around pretty good offenses. This to me makes the most sense of anybody on the board left. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was, that makes the most sense from the get go. I, I like Ben Johnson, but there's just something about the whole way that he has approached his um i guess you would say his candidacy or openness to being a candidate so far that kind of is like okay yeah. i can kind of get that you, maybe you felt like you weren't ready last year but now you are ready but and you're still entertaining the panthers job yeah that i, I like a lot of sense to me yeah and and it's i i don't I don't love that. And I think you said it over the weekend. I can't keep track of what we've said in text messages and what you've said on air and what we've said in person, but it's like, if he doesn't want the job, you, you move on, you don't entertain it. You don't pursue it any further. And I kind of feel like based on the reports of what we know, that's, that's probably what happened to be clear. I liked him because I think his offense with what he's doing with the lions uh, more closely resembles what the Titans were trying to run under Tim Kelly. Similar offensive styles, uh, obviously a, a much better offensive line in Detroit, but I felt like the transition from Tim Kelly to Ben Johnson would have been easier for Will Levis and might have set them up for more immediate success. But um, I, you know, like I said, I'm I'm stoked with Brian Callahan. Okay, we're bringing in Braden. I'm gonna let Braden be. The, He's here. Uh, host now. He is here. He's. Oh, I have to team. host. I don't. I don't want to host. Yeah, I'm gonna let you. You don't want to host. I can still host. But I'm also. We are also going to be joined because everybody wanted to go live on the 440 Sports Podcast Network, and in a few minutes, Easton is there also going to yeah. join us. So we are. Hell getting, yeah. Hey, we're going quad box here later. Um, <laughs> so it's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty interesting. But I think it's good to have as many perspectives on this. And normally, you know people aren't available at this time so this is great this is great news uh we were just talking about 
Braden, because we kind of talked about today on a football show how this seemed to be the pick. Like, there didn't really seem to be any room for anybody else on here. And uh, I got Brandon on here saying, uh, bring Mike Kernan to the show. Can't. Tried. He was my first choice. Uh, no offense to everybody else in this chat. Uh, but he couldn't hey, come. Up, and he could only have done this for 15 minutes from stupid phone audio, too. So he would not. it would have sounded horrible. It had been pathetic. So apologies that you guys do not get my Kernan, but i feel like we got a really good diverse group right here um yes three middle-aged white men <laughs> yeah yeah it's very diverse um hey we got but we i got, felt like we got carthon tweeting that's that's that doesn't happen very oh often, women so. is it actual carthon or the fake carthon account? i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> uh it, but at the end of the day i felt like this this is it and now the next steps are assembling the staff now Braden, you've kind of been on this thing where there have been interviewing i don't know if you how how much how long you've been uh been oh, watching Braden, I, I popped champagne. a bottle live and i'm drinking straight from the bottle so if i'm a little am, gassy but it's I'm, from I'm, bluegrass beverages there you go bluegrass beverages i i'm on a dry monday through thursday um okay. that's what i that's what i try to do is dry from monday to wednesday and then thursday i allow myself the to have I some like fun it. I, I certainly it's a lot better than dry january yeah, well, exactly. But you had alluded earlier this last Thursday on the show because we're talking. Let's talk about assembling a staff because there's a lot of questions about the staff in general. And you had alluded to that. Well, maybe they bring someone on, and we kind of both talked about Tom bringing Thomas Brown on. It looks like uh, producer JT is going to join us. We are going to go five deep, I think, here in a second. Uh, once Eason joins up, it's going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Like the opening, it's like the this opening is good because I, if I'm not mistaken, JT <laughs> is a Bengals fan. So who knows more about probably Brian Callahan than JT, but we'll bring him in right now as we're discussing putting in the staff, Easton and JT. We're like the fucking wow. Brady bunch of uh, January 6th Brady bunch here. All these, gang's uh, all here. <laughs> gang's all here. Uh, How's it going, fellas? <laughs> But we're talking about similar staff. We we both kind of said, well, maybe you could do some rehabilitation with Thomas Brown, and he could come in and be the offensive coordinator while Brian Callahan is still the offensive uh, play calling head coach. You used to have David Shaw and a slight connection, you know, ties to his dad, Bill Callahan. Of course, you have Bill Callahan, and you have the stories coming out. Maybe it's Mike Munchak could possibly come back for one of these coaches. So, Braden, what are you looking for? Besides maybe some alignment and uh, <laughs> vision talk in the presser, what are you looking for in the next steps as far as assembling the staff? Like, what do you want to see? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I am under the assumption that one of the other names that we talked about today on the show is is maybe a part of this. And so if that's Thomas Brown, if that's David Shaw as a quarterback guru, I, I don't know. But I, I, I want to see some experience. So I want to see that. I think defensively, you have to have a pretty clear vision on what you're going to do. Again, Mike Vrabel, when he was hired, leaned on some pretty veteran pieces and some pretty veteran minds. I think Dean Pease was sort of his his sort of like, uh, you know, his his Buddha that he leaned on when he got the job. So I think you need you need some experience now because this is a guy who doesn't have any head coaching experience. So you want some experience. So I, I think that's that's first and foremost. If we're talking about scheme, like I want this to be the the reason you were hiring, hiring Brian Callahan is that he his scheme is the vision that you believe in. So I don't I don't you know, you guys can speak to which other coordinator might fit or if Thomas Brown's 
leanings fit towards, you know, he certainly has a little fuller background. I, I, to me, at the scheme, I, I don't care about the offensive hires other than just be good at what they do. So I want some experience around him. Shaw, Shaw, I used to have a, so much respect for David Shaw as a guy, guy covering him at Stanford. Um, it just, he was so, so good at developing players, great at developing quarterbacks. That all speaks very well with his pro background. So one of these guys to have as like a guy he can lean on would be huge. So I, I think experience is number one, but uh, otherwise you got to be able to define the vision, whatever the hell that meant by, by Rand and Amy at the time, they, they've got to now define what that means. And I hope it's Brian Callahan's offense. That's the whole point of hiring the guy, in my opinion. It's funny because, uh, Tom Pellicero you know, talked about a tweet earlier about how Brian Callahan was apparently their top choice and he wasn't, they didn't let him out the building, but he also says owner, Amy Adams drunk fired Mike Frable. She said she believes the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. So the new brain trust Easton is Brian Callahan and Rand Carthon. What are proper expectations for this duo in year one, in your opinion? Well, how should fans, fans should definitely be excited. So I'm asking you to put a rain on their parade. But <laughs> what should be the expectations for this duo going forward? I feel bad. I feel like Mike should be here to do that. I'm not the rain on the parade guy. Um, He's I, you know, too I've busy had, I, uh, picking up NWI stats. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, I've had so long to sit and think about this. So I'm glad that you asked me this question. Um, I, I think my first expectation is we can finally hear what the Dagum vision is for this team that we've been asking about. And they said now it's not Even the time. Even though we've it's read now, it, but we can now at least hear it now. <laughs> yeah, can they say it? Like, is that is that allowed now? Is that some, did the shadowy figure behind the curtain give the a thumbs up to Rand Carthen to say that now? I'd like to hear that. Um, expectations for them in year one. I, I was talking to somebody, uh, a national media member today, Flex. That's like the only guy I know. Uh, about like what a Brian Callahan Titans team would look like. And uh, the the thing that we were talking about was I'm so intrigued for wherever he were to end up. And now it's with the Titans, but of all of the head coaching candidates in this cycle, he's the person who I was most stoked to find out when they landed, what their coaching staff would look like because of the, you know, the significant past that he has a lifelong member of the NFL. He's got about as, deep a Rolodex of contacts within the league as any of these guys in this cycle. Um, and we know many of the names, some of the, the big impressive names that are potential guys that you could see him bring in to help the Titans offensive line, for example, or to help modernize this offense. Um, that That's the thing I'm most interested to see some of the, the names that he brings in. And, and as those puzzle pieces kind of come into the picture, giving us a broader view of what the vision for this team is. But in terms of first year expectations, uh, I, I want to see, I mean, there's a number of elements for this team where you would think you can only go up from here. So not taking a step back, like on the offensive line or with the offense's functionality, just in general, God, would be nice if you're hiring an offensive Further back coach. to what they were. <laughs> I mean, right. like how far where I mean you take a step back you're falling off the fucking earth <laughs> it's not, you're relegated from the league but yeah I, I don't know it's it's fair but I, I I I got burned last year by saying it can't get worse so I'm refusing to say it now uh, I really I'll say it again though I really don't think it can get worse and if you're bringing in an offensive mind like Brian Callahan that's the number one thing that you're expecting to see some immediate change affected let's see you know the caveman football Tennessee Titans that should be of the past now. Let's get some 
some glimpses of, oh my goodness, they're modernizing. Hey, analytics, that's crazy. Some more spread offense. We're going to utilize our, wait, wait, wait. A, a slot receiver can play even though he's just a slot receiver. Like we can throw him the ball. Those kinds of things would be nice to see immediately. Well, uh, Dustin Reed put it in here before I could get to it, but this is courtesy of Jack Gentry. He's the first person I saw. Welcome to the Ranahan era. Ranahan mm. is here, and I love it. Are we out on that, Brady? We don't like Ranahan. No, it's a great ship ship name. It, it is it's perfect. <laughs> I don't. I don't like all nicknames. I think well, if you stupid. flip it, then it's just Callahan. You can't do it the other way. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, so. you can't do it the other way. Uh, uh, hand doesn't really work. Callahan. You know? Yeah. Okay. Miles, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll throw Miles a bone here. He says around the table, we could do this real fast. Yes or no. Does this make it more likely that they bring back Henry? Uh, go, go around the table here for, for miles. Uh, less likely. I don't think anybody's bringing back Henry. <laughs> less nope. likely. That's a, that's nope. a, you went from a 2% chance to a less than 2% chance. Uh, z- it, 0% chance. It changed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. that's a good way to put it which is so um, no no yeah yeah jt you are a Bengals fan is that is that am i getting your team lineology here uh correct that's correct i um i moved to cincinnati when i was eight so we've Sorry. my family's been uh <laughs> it was from new yeah. jersey so whether you call oh. that an upgrade or not uh <laughs> you know uh lateral that's, move. that's yeah it's a <laughs> lateral <laughs> move not a vertical move there but yeah, my family was uh, season ticket holders for through the dark ages, and so they still are. So very close and in and around um, the Cincinnati sports scene and also the Cincinnati media scene right now. Um, it was really interesting when Brian Callahan's name first came up. Um, and when I talked to a couple people in, in, the, in the area about Brian Callahan, um, they had a lot of just very like aggressive takes about – the way he schemes up this team, which I thought was interesting, but not really what I was looking for. As we talk about on our show, like what someone, what the product is on the field should not be the number one thing when it goes into a coaching hire, although it probably helps. But as I dug in more uh, for myself um, about Brian Callahan, I just kind of fell more and more in love with, with this hire. If the Titans were able to do it, not just because out of the list of guys, uh, maybe subtracting like Dan Quinn, um, Brian Callahan is easily the most connected out of any of these guys. So uh, that made me super excited. Whether you bring in, uh, maybe try and go get your dad to come coach the offensive line of your own team or bring in Mike Munchak or anybody out there. Like he's going to have a lot of connections. So I'm super excited to see how he builds out um, this staff, but not only just that and just what he's done for Cincinnati um, from a scheme standpoint, the fact that he has just been around so many good caliber uh, quarterbacks throughout his career makes me super excited to see what he can truly do for Will Levis. I think that's the thing um, outside of just how people have raved about him and his locker room presence, the way that he can elevate Will Levis and kind of untap that potential that we saw at times, but seeing it more consistently this upcoming year, that makes me the most excited. Can I ask you guys a, a, a T Higgins question? Uh, no. Since everybody's sure. t- talking about that in the comments and I, I want to, I want to be very clear uh, to point out Pete, Pete Carroll had a chance to draft Taylor Mays in the first round after coaching him at USC. He knew him. He knew everything about him and he chose Earl Thomas instead, the safety out of Texas. I use that as uh, an anecdotal example of just because you played with or coached with somebody doesn't mean you think they are a good fit for what you're going to go do. Would T Higgins be an upgrade on what we've got here in Nashville? Certainly. Do I think he's pretty 
do I think he's a dramatic difference maker than than DeAndre Hopkins versus who I would like Calvin Ridley? I just it doesn't mean they're not going to go get T Higgins. I just want to ask you guys like again, I don't think the percentage chance changes here. But what it tells you is that he knows exactly what you need to know about T Higgins, whether or not to make the decision to go after and get him or not. It's still not up to them, though. Like, it's up to the Bengals. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Yeah, I, I would say as I've kind of followed they the don't T Higgins. Him. Yeah, I, I think it's more likely right now that the Bengals tag T Higgins um, and try to work out a longer term deal than just let him onto the open market. Because, I mean, it was an injury riddled season for him, for sure, not. Uh, he did not look like himself for a lot of the season and it was really disappointing, but for the Bengals to just kind of let him go explore the market, I think that would be pretty foolish of, of the Bengals to do that. So I still think it more likely than not, they, they do franchise tag him. Um, sorry. Like I just, I just don't think there's any chance that this Bengals team lets him get to the what, open. What's market. that number? What's that number? Like, like 19 million, 19, 20 million. I think there's no way the Tennessee Titans should pay that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I just, I I agree with you. If he were to go to the open market, I don't think right now T Higgins is worth 20 million. Hasn't he played like 70% of the possible games of his rookie contract? Like it's a, it's a lower number than you'd think it is. And I think that's like, people see the production, but I mean, his, his, his ten- tenure as a Cincinnati Bengal has also been one that has injury questions. And this year is like the perfect uh, kind of microcosm of a T Higgins, which is you're going to get production, but at the same time, it's going to be really, really tough for him to be on the field for all 17 games. They've got <laughs> Traylon Burks. So it doesn't, you don't really even need one. Yeah. Right. I saw, yeah. I saw a fantasy account, a national fantasy account a moment ago say uh, Traylon Burks now in the, now in the uh, Jamar chase role for fantasy purposes. So yeah. write that down. Keep that in mind for your we, next fantasy draft. Me, the dream me, late night, st- the delete the dream late yeah. night stream team. That sounds like a Trump that video. A <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and Stoney have talked about this uh, a couple of times, and I've said it on our show, uh, Braden, and this show as well previously. I probably have even said it on Twitter a few times. But I thought I think this means more about Tyler Boyd coming here than it does about T Higgins coming Old here. Old man Boyd, Tyler okay. Boyd does fill a need that this team has lacked, and that is speed and a deep threat, and he knows the system and stuff. We'll see what the, what that all entails and everything, but I feel like I'm not saying Tyler Boyd and Zay Flowers are the kind of the same or the same wide receiver or anything, but what I'm saying is that when you look at the attributes of Zay Flowers just generally – uh, a deep threat guy that's you know can make contested catches and has strong hands. That's kind of what Tyler Boyd is, and I think this is what they need. Now, to me, the big winner of this whole thing is it's Kyle Phillips. I feel like Kyle Phillips is finally going to have a spot <laughs> on this team, and we've alluded to it. But um, I want to ask Stoney this. We're, we're talking about the offensive line. We're talking about Brian Callahan. We, we know Bill Callahan is an option. We know that Mike Munchak is an option. We know that there are other offensive line coaches out there that are off are coaches that main experience is not, you know, coaching a community college for uh, some Christian school out in Texas or wherever Jason Hoteling has come from. But there's only really one starter out there right now uh, with Peter Skaronsky, maybe Daniel Brunskill. But what do you see the biggest hurdle besides coaching for this offensive line group under Brian Callahan, like what's the way to attack it? 
Well, I, I'm curious about that because I, I wonder if this is going to change the draft strategy at all. Brian Callahan was in a building where they kind of skimped on the offensive line in lieu of getting Jamar Chase and, and stockpiling the, the talent at wide receiver. And so far, I you know, I don't know what you guys would say, but they've damn near got Joe Burrow killed. But at the same time, they've gone on some runs in the playoffs. So I, I don't know if this kind of changes the philosophy of the offensive line. So you're saying Brian Callahan's going to have full personnel control in the building. Yes, you're saying. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, this offensive line, this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm only half kidding. This offensive line was so bad. Can you not find a way to get both Bill Callahan and Mike Munchak in the building <laughs> to help with this shit? Yeah, I mean, Bad you could make it. one just assistant head coach <laughs> yeah. and the other one an offensive line coordinator. You could interior get interior offensive line coach and tackle coach. Just I like that. Now separate. you're cooking. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they did run game coordinator. Did. You know, pass game coordinator. If your son was a head coach, would you want to go work for him? He does. That's a, he's on the does record. Uh, yeah. And so, so supposedly, and may, I don't know how deep JT is in the Bengals fan base, but supposedly it is against Zach. Uh, what I have been told it's against Zach Taylor's uh, hiring philosophies to hire family members. And that mm. Bill Callahan wanted to come to the Bengals oh. to work with his mm. son, but you know, because he had already hired Brian, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that's true. And maybe JT, may, you know, Reddit's you need to tap your sources, JT. Place, but talk to the people. I mean, Munchak would be a pretty awesome. He's muted himself. So I'll unmute him. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead I, I was going to say, I, I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole and find that out for you. Um, they are, I, I, the Bengals have always, I know for sure the Bengals have always been um, a team that they love to hire from inside the building. Um, I saw, I think Ian Rappaport just reported that I think they're, they're, basically um, going to usher in their quarterback's coach to be the new offensive coordinator there. So they're already kind of have that plan set in stone right there for, for a post Brian well, Callahan world. He's also got three interviews lined up, but probably four now, maybe who, who yes. knows I mean, um, Titans, but so it's, it's very interesting to, to see that. I, that, that would make sense. I think from a Zach Taylor perspective, <laughs> to be honest, um, but I'm not sure, sure about that. Uh, so positive. Was well, sorry to, to butt in, but this is something I just read. Is Was Liam Cohen in talks to join the Bengals staff? Because Matt Jones over at uh, Kentucky Sports Radio said that a media member who's close to the Bengals just texted him and said that their hire will be internal, like you just said, JT. So Liam Cohen being at Kentucky this next year will come down to whether the new Titans coach wants to pair him with Will Levis. I guess we shall see. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Easton, because I have a little piece of breaking news that I'm breaking on behalf of our friend Justin Mello here on this show, unless he's tweeted it out since I've, well, I've talked to him and asked permission. <laughs> but he has heard from his sources. Mm. That Liam Cohen, he's heard from his sources that Liam Cohen is is not interviewing for offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, but it also kind of seems a little too early to make that statement, but he is not expected to interview for the Tennessee Titans. I wonder so, how you could know that at this point. Well, I don't know, but that would be but that'd be from Justin Mello. So uh, he did not tell me his sources, but I he he did he did have he did Almost, he was so close to breaking this story. By the way, he even showed us a screenshot that he was asking permission to on the the X itself and the wording of the X itself to X and put it out there. So he was so close; he was like seconds away from being able mm. to break the story himself. So, gotta, gotta give props to Justin Mello. 
So that that brings us all around to no Liam Cohen. Maybe it's Thomas Brown. Could be David Shaw. Could be uh, the quarterbacks coach Dan Pinchster or Pincher Pitcher. Pin is there an N in there? I feel like there's an N in there somewhere. Dan P. Pitchner. <laughs> Dan P. Yeah. Uh, but there's also Charles London out in the wings, and we've seen a lot of people talk about Charles London in the chat. Of course, Tony, you've asked to stay, so I'm actually just me. Talk to you. I'm the only uh, one still talking about today have, uh, tonight have brought it up, but I'm going to start with you on this Charles London subject. Charles London obviously has been called out by name as very being very instrumental in the Will Levis progression um, in his education as an NFL quarterback. And we know that Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel have both interviewed Charles London for their offensive coordinator position which I think speaks very highly of his reputation around the league. We also saw his main tenets of a, a successful offense uh, at the uh, NFL head coach symposium over the summer. You're a big Charles London guy. I'm a big Charles London guy. We like what we saw from senior bowl last year. Where do you rank on the priority that if he comes out with this list and Charles London is not on, and this is, could be a rhyme table thing. Are you disappointed that Charles London is not on on the list if at, by the end of the 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 week the staff and he is gone. Are you disappointed? And do you think are you disappointed? And do you think that hurts Will Levis's development? I would be disappointed. Um, I think it would be a wise move to keep Charles London on the staff as a sort of bridge. He has the experience. Will Levis. The results speak for themselves. Will Levis. Can we all agree? Pretty good. Worth building around the future. At the very least, worth a shot. So, at least for two years. At least for two years, two worth years a shot. At the very least, take it first. Spin, see what happens. But even before this year, Charles London's coaching pedigree is deserving of an offensive coordinator job. We talked about it last offseason as Charles London being a guy that that could be in play for offensive coordinator. So, I think to keep him on the staff would be a a wise decision. He knows Will Levis. He has experience with Will Levis. He's a sought-after coach that has experience in different offenses. If ever there's a guy that could could make it work, I think it would be him. It's another bright mind to have in the room. That's the I give his experience this one year with Will Levis. I give him the edge over David Shaw because of that. But it's not to say that you can't find another spot on this staff for David Shaw. It's not like it's quarterback, coach, or bust. So I, I want to keep Charles London at the same time. Do I think it's going to hurt Will Levis's development? I don't know about that because the thing that I've I've learned that I was the most wrong about Will Levis is that the dude's a grinder, works really hard, and he's got that kind of, I guess, well, no, it's football and other F-words. I can say this. He's got that fuck you attitude where he is just going to outwork and uh, bring that competitive fire to the uh, to the game plan every week. So, you know, am I worried about it? Not so much, but I'd be, oh man, I, it would feel like a gut punch to lose Charles London. What about I, you, I mean, uh, Braden? We'll, we'll go, I, I guess you guys see it. We'll go Braden, <laughs> then we'll go to JT, and then we'll go to Easton. Uh, Brennan, by the way, says, just stupid question, is it assumed that most of Rabel's staff will leave? This, of course, is including Charles London. I don't Charles think it's London. assumed. I think it, they just need it, to get fired. <laughs> it, well, Art, Art Smith was a holdover. We just said, just, don't fire Charles. So Yeah, most of them, most okay. of them. All right. And, and Arthur Smith so was a holdover London from, and how to and everybody else so. can go. Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. I mean, I mean, Chris, who knows what the other guy again, the, the whole point of 
Like, yes, short answer, yes. I, I The more good quality, stable, offensive-minded, situational things you can put around Will Levis, the better off you're going to be. So, yes, I think Charles London has done an excellent job with Will Levis. I think the two things, we've talked about this on on, on our show, I, I, you know, I think the quick, short RPO passing game and the down-the-field vertical passing game are the two things that Will Levis will do the best when he is at his best. And so any wh- whoever gives you that ability. But again, I go back to, like, I don't care what the actual, you know, if David Shaw's a better OC and Thomas Brown's a better quarterback coach or Charles London's the better OC and David Shaw's a better quarterback coach, like, I still kind of want Brian Callahan running the ship. I want him calling the plays even if that's what it takes. So really, it's whatever he thinks of these guys is the best combination. In a perfect world, you get, like, all of them to come on board. And you got Munchak and London and uh Shaw and Brown and you've got like an all-star offensive coaching staff that you, you put together and hopefully you go to ownership and say give me everything I can to pay these guys and get them to come here and so I, I mean not that's the perfect scenario I I don't but again like who's caught like you can you can make Charles London OC and hire David Shaw as the quarterback coach and Brian Callahan calls plays and I'm I'm good with that but I think ultimately I think it all starts with what role is Brian Callahan playing and at that point, the titles are kind of just there, right? Am I am I am I making the the titles too important here, or 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 too le- or less you know, important? What am I kind of like how Shanahan's built his staff, right? I mean, Shanahan's kind of you know the de facto offensive coordinator, head coach, and you know he'll shift around people when he feels they're ready for certain things, and it's kind of like. You know, Mike McDaniel was running backs coach and then become an offensive coordinator. And then, you know, you got Chris Forrester was offensive line coach, but then he became offensive line coach and run game coordinator. And then you got, you know, Bobby Slowick, that dweeb who was a defensive analyst and he moved over wow. to offense and all that kind of stuff. So you got all that kind of stuff. So it can happen. Uh, JT, same question for you, Charles London. You want to keep him or you want him gone? You want his ass on the street or you want him in the sheets? I, I think I still want him in the sheets. You know, I think he's he, I think he's a guy that, Clip um, that I think I think you should <laughs> keep him around mostly because we've seen from Will Levis's first year here and then going back to Kentucky, he's lacked consistency. And I think that's something that we've never been able to see uh, Will Levis have throughout his college and first professional year. It's just I, I would like to see someone at least get a elongated stab at trying to unlock his full potential. And I think right now, Charles London is probably the best guy to do that. Um, on the, on the other end where who's calling the plays, I know Justin Mello just tweeted out that he would, uh, his, his opinion is that he'd expect Brian Callahan to call the plays regardless of who he hires as offensive coordinator. So he, he just points that out. I think that's also, um, where I'd go. I think, I think, if Zach Taylor wasn't like so headstrong about that in Cincinnati, I think Brian Callahan would have done a tremendous job there as well. Um, so I'd really like to see what he can do, not just from a scheme standpoint, but from a play calling standpoint. But yeah, I think for at least Charles London, I'd like to see at least keep him around because I think Will Levis would really do good with a little bit of consistency. Easton, I know it's your turn, but isn't this the Lafleur without the, the pit stop? I mean, the whole the, this whole entire hire is to hire Matt Lafleur without the pit stop as yep. the one year OC somewhere else. Like that's yep. all this is. It's the McVeigh guy who goes on. You hire him maybe a year early, and he never really called plays. He did. Yes, Lafleur got the one year under Vrabel calling the plays, but that's the guy you're going. I mean, that's what you're trying to replicate here. 
Right. The, the, and I will just echo the, the biggest reason why you'd keep London around is what would this or the, actually not would be. This will be Will Levis's fourth different offensive coordinator in four years. Yeah, but it's the I mean, it's Liam Cohen, but, three, <laughs> but, but Liam Cohen and Rich Gangarello run the same similar kind of system. So, yeah, four different offensive coordinators with maybe different terminology, but it's a lot easier to learn new terminology for yeah. you've ran before. Totally. My, my point is, and we talked about this when Vrabel was fired and, and they were considering who they would bring in to to be around Will Levis and take the step into this future for the Tennessee Titans. That that's really, you know, just fundamentally in the NFL, continuity is really, really important for young quarterbacks. And I had a lot of folks online talk about how, well, but he's handled it so well. Like, isn't the, you can look at how he's had a different offensive coordinator and a new offense almost every year for the past four years. And he's, he's still succeeded and taken steps forward. Isn't that good? It's, it, it's indicative of him being a, a guy that I think has the talent to overcome when there are, are reasons for him developmentally to be set behind the eight ball. But the best way for a young quarterback to develop, and he's a quarterback who we saw just this year with Charles London, make some pretty significant leaps and bounds from the guy that we saw at the beginning of uh, August to the end of the year, getting that game experience under his belt, going from the happy footed guy that needed to figure out how to have a level base and layer throws in August to somebody that we saw a number of times do the thing we couldn't see him do prior to that season do at the end of the year. Like he did make some steps with Charles London and that alone to me is, is something that I think is worth reinvesting in. However, you have to do that. If you can bring him back in a capacity that is an offensive coordinator. Cool. If you need to bring him back as a coordinator. Cool. I, I, I just think that that's something that having his guy, the guy that has been in his ear the entire time he's been in the NFL still in his he, still in his ear being able to continue their their lessons together uh, without having to start over with somebody fresh it, it's simple but it's kind of invaluable yeah and i agree i want to throw out a few names uh for like offensive coordinator defensive coordinator here and it's really some of these guys could be other position coaches um especially this first guy who has experience being a quarterbacks coach and being a quarterbacks coach to the likes of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback's coach to Joe Burrow. And of course, you know, his recent stint with the Browns where he was offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, and he's recently let go. And that would be Alex Van Pelt, who I was not expecting when I initially wrote the Brian Callahan piece for him to be unemployed at this point. But that is a guy that has experience with quarterbacks. And Braden, I'm going to start with you on this one because you are a Packers fan. And he was with the Packers from uh, 2012 all the way to 2017. He started off as a running back coach in 2012 and 2013, went to quarterbacks coach for three years after, or 2014, 15, four years after that. What are your thoughts on the Alex Van Pelt <laughs> experience? And do you think that maybe quarterback coach is where he's best suited? And if so, Alex Van Pelt or Charles it London? Charles London, it's it's hard uh, yeah. because I mostly because I think it is hard to know exactly what was done with Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I just like part of the, the the story around McCarthy, for example, was that he at the at the beginning of his tenure with Rodgers, he was very innovative and he worked really hard to draw up new stuff to challenge Aaron Rodgers and to put Rodgers in situations where like it really pushed him to evolve his game. And the whole story on the back half of Mike McCarthy's tenure, which I think overlaps a few of those years there, 
with Van Pelt where it was like that they had just sort of quit doing that. And for, for lack of a better, you know, more nuanced take there. And it's like, I, some of that I think is because Rogers started to like, <laughs> it's like, hot, what is it? The, uh, the, like he just starts beating it out of you, the ability to be free and present ideas like Rogers. It is so clear watching Matt LaFleur's offense today with Jordan Love, how much Rogers was the influence and the control on everything. And some of the, some of the time you wanted that because he was just the, the, one of the best players in the history of the game with who could see the field and process things better with a more accurate arm. I mean, blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't know, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't know. I, I would take Charles London because of stability. I, I, nothing that I know of of the Packers puts Van Pelt in some sort of like, I mean, again, I think all these guys are pretty solid coaches, but I would go with the guy who's been here, work with the guy, work with the quarterback, knows the offense. Um, I do have a question uh, with for all of you guys about strategy building, but we can get to that in a second. So I, 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 that's not a name that is, I mean, if you rattled off five or six or seven names, that's not one that I would probably put in my top five of priority. Okay, so let me ask you a question, Stoney. We're going to the defensive side of the ball, and there is Don Martindale's out there, so Wink Martindale. Uh, we have James Betcher, Bengals linebacker coach, who is a former defensive coordinator, who is a highly thought of defensive coordinator that has somehow stumbled his way into a position coach, and he's just kind of sitting there probably waiting for his time. Uh, we also have Corey Unlin, Tony Oden, and Chris Kosarek, a 49ers defensive line coach. Of course, Chris Kosarek, who basically can turn anybody into like an all-pro on that defensive line for San Francisco. Tony Oden, a Jets cornerback coach for um, – and then we have Corey Unlin, Texans defensive pass game coordinator that uh, is over there with D'Amico Ryans. He was brought over by D'Amico Ryans to run this defense over – or to help with this defensive passing game over there. What – any of those names stand out to you, or are you thinking, hmm, well, there's Brandon Staley, who just got fired. Maybe that is the guy that he could bring over. And a lot of people have been talking about, and I think this is who we're talking about. Let me just make sure. Yeah, Chris Shula, who is the linebackers coach and pass rush coordinator for the Rams. A lot of people have been really high on him. But do you think that, who do you, what do you want this defense to be under uh, Brian Callahan, but who, out of those guys, where are you kind of leaning towards as maybe a want? Well, I mean, all those names you mentioned, you still left one out. If this, if Brian Callahan wants an experienced guy uh, to build a defense, there is one free agent coach out there still available, and his name is Mike Vrabel. Mm. I knew it. I knew that. You had me for a second, and I knew where you were going. <laughs> I, I was trying not to laugh as you were getting through your question. I think listen, you like I, the Nashville area. Listen, I uh big, big Green Hills guy. Yeah. I don't I don't think it would exactly mesh with this whole like forward thinking, analytical, collaborative approach, but and maybe this is just a guilty pleasure of mine. I love Wink Martindale. I think he's a fiery guy. Didn't that you, is a guilty pleasure of yours, yeah. <laughs> didn't you almost <laughs> shoulder block him at the senior bowl last year? Or was yeah. that uh, it was him or Brian Dayball? I forget, but Wink no is Brian Dayball, but Wink Martindale was freaking everywhere on that sideline at the senior bowl because I'd always point him out as like, oh, there's Wink Martindale again. 
a man yeah, of and, blitz week Martindale. Yeah, I was going to say if you like if you like stressful third downs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's your guy. I'm a sucker for him. I think he's proven. I think some of the the stuff that's coming out about Brian Dayball and like how he kind of runs the the coaching staff in New York maybe Pretty helps wink Martindale. I was kind of surprised that Brian Dayball's just like redheaded jelly bean just yelling at people on the sidelines just yeah. constantly cussing them out. And in the office and, apparently just all week. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know um, he's interviewing for head jobs, but if you can get Ejiro Evero, I probably just butchered his name. Uh, that's right, that's, you nailed it. You know what? I'm gonna have to change my drawers if they end up with him as DC. That, okay, that, I want to ask wait, you that means you have them on right now. I, I assumed you were not wearing it. No way, you're wearing pants. Yeah, uh, you are definitely pantsless. Listen, now I can justify it this time because. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally dressed for dinner on my way out the door when Zach sent me a text and said, can you go live? Mm. And I said, yeah, yeah clearly, clearly so was I, but it's, um, it's roasting in my office. So I didn't want to sit here with my hoodie and my pants on. So I'm just like, <laughs> you know, nobody's going to see me from the waist down. We're just going to go pantsless. And but now we can all off. imagine. Mm. Eastern anyway, Chris the Titans hired and- Brian Callahan. Right. Yeah. Uh, any, uh, Eason Texas or Bears are interviewing Chris Harris and right. uh, Terrell Williams for their um, defensive coordinator position. Terrell Williams is obviously going to be at the Senior Bowl as a head coach. So my question to you is, and Chris Harris has been a hot commodity on the defensive coordinator uh, market even before now. Where are you at on maybe? being able to bring one of these guys in for defensive coordinator, or would you prefer the field? Like, is it one of these guys or the field? If the Titans new coaching staff were to include any internal hires, I actually think I would prefer them giving those two guys, a defensive coordinator look than even giving, um, uh, Charles London, a look at offensive coordinator. I am a really big fan of both of those two for different reasons. I was stoked when they hired Chris Harris. I was a, a fan of his before he was even uh, considered a, a potential future Titans hire. I just really like what he's done. Um, and I love his energy. Like the thing he's one of the few coaches where I am more in love with the way that people talk about him and the way that his players revere him and the way that his um, fellow coaches discuss the kind of guy that he is on the field and in the offices then even how much I love what he's done on the field in the past. If you've been to training camp at all, if you've been to practices at all, it's immediately evident who Chris Harris is because he's the one you can hear from wherever you are on the premises. Um, we've talked ad nauseum about it for, for the whole year about how he brings this crazy energy and this crazy enthusiasm. Um, from what I hear from players, like he's a phenomenal teacher, phenomenal motivator, um, does a really good job of of meeting the players where they are and making sure they understand certain things. I I think people unfortunately got a a bad taste in their mouth on Chris Harris because the 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 set of chess pieces at his disposal this year was just rooks all the way down was rooks um or not rooks pawns excuse me pawns say, all the way down pretty solid no 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 pieces. sorry yeah no no no, no, no. <laughs> I screwed my own metaphor. wait a second hey, pawns all the way down um and so like. He I closed really Pandora's do... box is what shut I up, was, Zach. am being told. Uh, shut up. I, <laughs> I hate all of you. I uh, say, so, yeah, I'm just going to steamroll right through it. I, I think I think that he deserves a look uh, as a defensive coordinator anywhere, but the Titans should consider him as an internal uh, elevation. And then 
Coach T's awesome. Like we saw that he's getting the, the nod for the uh, the national team. I forget which team, the senior bowl, he's going to be head He's He's way more prepared to be a coordinator, in my opinion. I, I, I agree. He would be my choice personally because of his experience, um, because of the, like, I don't mind the idea of having a guy who was an assistant head coach in this building is familiar with the way that these like current players operate the way that the upper management operates having somebody on the new coaching staff. That's already got some of the answers to the, just the operational quiz, I think is actually a decent idea. And so giving him a look is I think overdue just in general for him getting a look as a coordinator in the league. And I think that they should absolutely interview him. I'm going to let you take the reins from here, Braden. Well, I, I was I have one question strategically about how they build for for all of you guys, but I I do want to point out one thing about this because the Staley name came up, right? I, I I do think that there are tons of defensive coordinators that get promoted beyond the point of competency, and they're very good defensive coordinators in the NFL, and they get promoted because the natural thing to do is to promote them to head coach. It's what everybody wants. It's what all these guys are working for: offense, defense, whatever. But it seems to be in in, in certainly in the last five or six or seven years that these defensive guys get promoted. And then eventually when they get fired, many of them turn out to be pretty good coordinators. Like you go back to having less responsibility, yeah. less leadership. It's about scheme. It's a bit, it's about <clears throat> film study. It's no longer about all the other stuff that we actually ironically know that Mike Brable is pretty good at. Uh, it, it is about, it's about just ball again. And like Wade Phillips is the perfect example. Wade Phillips is incapable of being a head football coach. But he is one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. And so I don't know if that's Brandon Staley, but I would keep that in mind considering anybody that's like a form. This is why Dan Quinn, I think, would be a fine coordinator. I don't want him as my head coach. So I, I think that's 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 number one thing to, to kind of think through on this. And then, JT, I wanted to ask you about strategy, building the team, going back to the Bengals real fast. We can go back to the coaching staff um, just because I got I, I had this and Stoney said it and JT. I, they they ignored the offensive line. Joe Burrow got sacked like 52 times towards ACL, you know, blah, 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 blah. Know the story. But then they invested a ton in the in the offensive line that very off that very next offseason. The, the Titans are in a very similar situation where they have the two giant glaring weaknesses in both of those. Are where where are you at with how the Bengals approach that strategy and how that pertains to what Callahan would do here? Yeah, I think. It's a risky strategy. What what they've always done with that offensive line is a very risky strategy. It's It's been very few and far between young guys that they've ha- let develop. Talking about Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, uh, bringing in Lyle Collins, Orlando Brown now as well, um, Cody Ford. These are all guys that they have brought in or um, have not really had a lot of draft capital put into them. And, and you can see it, right? Like, it's pretty it's pretty insane how Joe Burrow has still been able to just kind of do Joe Burrow things with this with this offensive line looking like it does uh, all the time, which I think is where this Titans team differs. I think Rand Carthen and this this scouting team that he's going to put together for this draft class, I think that's where they differ from the from the Cincinnati Bengals perspective. I think that Rand really wants to build through the draft because that's that's what his bread and butter is. And I think that there's a better chance that especially since I think that the free agency market right now for offensive linemen is just pretty bare bones. It's not something i truly want to invest in a lot. I think especially with this draft coming up and having maybe one of the deepest offensive line drafts that we've had in a long time. I think the way to go is to trust Rand Carthen and this uh, upper management team to really build your offensive line through the draft. 
Have we considered the fact that maybe he's just burned on the idea of not drafting linemen because he had to deal with that shit for so long? And he's just like, okay, now that I have some more say, let's draft some linemen. I'm so sick and tired of the retreads and the making it work with duct tape. I, I really, I really wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised about that because that's yeah. kind of how, that's who his dad is, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. it, it would, would it have maybe changed if they would have brought his dad in and they could have, you know, figured something out. And maybe that's the contentious point there for that, that Cincinnati team and upper management thinks that they're at the time when the Orlando Brown free agency class came around, I think, that it was still looking back on it was a fine way to move, but still, I mean, you just see time and time again the Cincinnati Bengals team just like like Stoney pointed out earlier. You go with Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, who's looking like um, he's looking incredible, and he's going to be younger than some of the offensive linemen getting drafted this year. <laughs> it's so insane. I did it, not know that he was just twenty three. Both, yeah, both, that's it, insane, insane. Sad to me. Both pretty sick players. Both pretty sick players, for the record. True. I, I true, said that. Pre- I said that jokingly, but but genuinely, let's think about Callahan's recent track record with the Bengals. They you know, one of the big selling points with him was, wow, this team's able to reinvent themselves and adjust in season when things are not going well. They can right the ship. It, you heard from his his head coach. You heard from players. This guy's a really good uh, scheme guy in season between Sunday to Sunday putting together answers to the questions they're running into. We've seen them do that with, with making guys that you would, I think right, rightly assume on other teams would be nobodies like, okay, Trent Irwin's a serviceable receiver. Okay. They lose their starting quarterback and Jake Browning comes in here and looks a guy that in college was a disaster. Jake Browning is actually a feisty competitor in this offense was Joe Burrow, a system quarterback. We say jokingly, but actually like, look at what Jake Browning was doing with this team. I'm just saying they have been able to find serviceable answers on offense when guys go down everywhere besides on the offensive line, because that's just the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the way that it works, right? I I don't think at all he would come in thinking, let's keep doing that, because why would you? Well, and I want to go to Stoney on this, but for the record, just to point out, uh, I love it when Easton talks about college football. Jake Browning won a Pac-12 championship and accomplished and got Washington to a playoff, which is exactly what Michael Pinnock did. Just you love ask anybody who actually scouted him. I mean, you love. No, no, I'm not. I'm not overhyping anybody. Jake Brown. You You can't overhype Jake Brown. He was a terrible NFL prospect. Terrible. These losers. Terrible. I have the power to remove Zach. No, my my. You said he was a disaster in college. I'm saying he did everything that Michael Pinnock did in college. Okay, sorry. A disaster of it. A college prospect as an NFL potential. Sure, fine. He's not. He was never a. I, I would argue your your best argument for Jake Browning is that his progress from having to take over in that game when yes. Joe Burrow got hurt to where he was like when they were beating Jacksonville a couple of weeks later it has to be credited to the the Bengals offensive coaching staff. That's fine. Let me just say for all future Callahan. for all future purposes, whenever I talk about a guy in college, I'm talking That's about nasty. him on college tape translating to the NFL because I actually don't care about what they did in college for the most well, part. Well, right, but nobody ever said Jake Browning. I'm sub- I'm shocked that Jake Browning is in the NFL at all. So just, that, that was anyway. my point. That was anyway, my point. Stoney, let me, said let, me poorly. let me ask you this, Stoney, and I think I, I'm curious and, and I want to go around the room here because I, I, I am fascinated with the choose your own adventure had they gone because we don't know officially who who wanted Skaronsky over Flowers. We, we know that Vrabel and Cowden probably had a little bit more say, but that, that it was all together there. They all decided. Let's not include Cowden. Let's they all loved. Here, here's We're what I'm going to sit here and say. Cowden had fine, knew fine. anything he, from new as ass from a hole in the ground. Here, here's here's, carpet, actually, <laughs> here's what Cowden. I can. Here's here's what I'll t- say. I, I, I think they all loved Zay Flowers. 
And I feel comfortable, like, if that's even reporting, I feel comfortable saying that. But I think that they all realized that Skronsky was the pick. So there is some evidence with this front office that they value the offensive line. Now, I'm curious, if they had drafted Zay Flowers and not gone after Hopkins, where would this team have been? If they draft, you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if they would have been any better moving forward today with Zay Flowers and no offensive lineman for next year versus having... DeAndre Hopkins for a year and Skaronsky ready to go at left guard for the next 10 years. I, I, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I think we have evidence that says they do value the offensive line over the, the skill player. I think they'd be worse demonstrably. <sighs> yeah. And, I, and, and, the re, and the reason why I, I won't, I won't take this. I was asking Stoney. My, my very base. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said around the room. My bad. I, I, you did say around the room, didn't you? He did uh, after he said, start with Stoney. Well, then you know what? I'm a bad person. Stoney, please go for it. Go for it. Easton. You started your thought. Well, one my one sentence is they'd be demonstrably worse because we know that offensive linemen need years to develop and you've got a year under your belt of Skaronsky now whereas now you'd be getting in offensive linemen assuming they'd be coming in for their first year you'd have to put in that time you know what I mean like you have you have the banked year with Skaronsky now long term. yeah and I would I would add to that thought by saying um I, I was really interested in last year's offensive line class but it was more or less like there are three guys that I really like that I think are going to be proven guys at the next level, Skaronsky being one of them. And then it was a whole bunch of really intriguing prospects that if the path laid out in front of them, you know, what was built for them and they were, they were tailor made for it in the perfect world, the perfect scenario they could pan out in the NFL. I don't think that's the case with this year's draft class. I think you're going to go like several rounds deep with guys that are going to be quality starters at the next level. So for them to go ahead and kind of tick off one of those boxes with one of these sure things from last year's draft class and to get this year of development, uh, I, I think it's it's pretty crucial to the um, the future, the, the vision, if you will, of this offensive line rebuild right now. And I, while I kind of think, man, I, I think you could make an argument that DeAndre Hopkins was the best Titans player for the entirety of the 2023 yeah. season. But I don't know that the drop-off with a Zay Flowers, who would also be a piece moving forward, too. Let's not discount that. I, I don't know that it would be so great to really make that dramatic of an impact. So I'm probably yeah, I'm probably going to roll with Skaronsky in this scenario. I don't know if that made sense. I've been drinking. I, I, <laughs> I agree with Easton. I think they're demo they don't sign Hopkins if they draft Flowers. And I, I, I'll just add real quick, like there there's a point this season where Andre Diller probably would have looked a lot worse if Peter Skronsky wasn't overcompensating at, at some point on the offensive line. I think, could we imagine if they drafted Are Zay you telling me Andre Diller could have looked worse? I, I think imagine having, uh, <laughs> having a Dylan Radins or a Corey Levin right next to him for the mm. entire year. Like I, it. is that, it sends a chill down my spine thinking that that is the left side <laughs> of your line instead of having <laughs> Peter Skronsky, who it maybe is all kind of our struggling. pants get again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just it Damn. just brings up the point like if even though Peter Skronsky struggled, he was having to overcompensate a little bit because of how bad Andre Dillard was, and I would not want to think about it if we had uh, on Andrew or. Dylan Radins or Corey Levins or Andrew Rupchitz, any of those guys in the left guard. Does this new regime maybe take a look at Skaronsky at left tackle? Or are we no, just, don't we, ask that We're question. done. We're done. Yeah. Rand that said question. that they might. He literally said that. That's like the old, yeah. one of seven things he actually said at that press conference. 
Yeah, we'll see. Well, um, Zach, here, I was going to ask. That, yeah, I was going to say Zach. Go ahead. I th- I think we're kind of looking at this in the wrong lens. Um, why is it Zay Flowers and then they never draft an offensive lineman ever again? Right. Like, isn't it Zay Flowers and maybe a third round offensive lineman? So maybe it's Zay Flowers versus Tajay Spears. Maybe they never trade up right. for Will Levis because they have Zay Flowers. And I also think that the idea that they wouldn't go after DeAndre Hopkins just because they drafted Zay Flowers is a little bit flawed because we know that Mike Vrabel it was a dummy and thought they could compete for a Super Bowl. So why wouldn't he bring in still DeAndre Hopkins, who has a, a really strong relationship, and have DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, and Zay Flowers? Sure. sure. I, I, I don't know. Possibly. I just feel I'll like possibly. I just feel like to me it's like saying that well it's Zay Flowers and then the same draft doesn't make sense because that no, 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 nothing, the ripple effect, nothing would be the same. You're completely correct about that. I, I, I was trying to find out like, okay, what do we know about Brian Callahan working with Rand Carthon? And what do we know about the Titans offense? Well, they need playmakers and they need an offensive line and specifically receiver and O-line. And I think we've seen some evidence that Carthon leaned towards the offensive line. And we know that Callahan just experienced what he did in Cincinnati with how they did not protect their star player. And it's the reason they were not in the playoffs this year. So ultimately, the point of that question wasn't to maybe have a really fun argument about where the Titans would have gone if the 14 different pieces would have been different. It's more about we we sort of have some evidence that that makes some logical sense that these two guys are going to work together to fix the offensive line first and then address the receiving core. Again, I think we've said this all along, draft, a, draft an offensive lineman sign a receiver and the receiver class is much better running back class is insane so that that was ultimately why why i wanted to get there so let me let me ask you guys we'll start with easton this time i want you to predict offensive coordinator and if you want to add anything else to the offensive staff with him i i just want final sort of like the power structure on offense because that's what brian callahan is what i want or what i think is going to happen you can do both um here's what i i'll I'll, I'm going to come back. Check out the hot read podcast tomorrow. I'll give you what I want. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't that's know well what done. I want. That's, well done. that's yeah, well done. That's called a plug. Uh, what it's I think famous. will happen. JT, is... what are you going to tell him to say tomorrow on the pod? That's, it's <laughs> a great question. We're I hate, I hate researching it. it as we speak right now. I, I think that they will hire Thomas Brown as their offensive coordinator. I agree. And I think that. I don't know. I'll say Terrell Williams is their DC, but I don't feel strongly about that. Zach Stoney, how do you feel about that? If that's what happens, I, I'd be fine with it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that Thomas Brown is OC is my prediction. I think it is going to be Bill Callahan because Brad Stainbrook of Stainbrook NFL covers the. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he covers the Browns for ESPN, and he works. Uh, he's a member of the Pro Football Writers Association of America. So Brad Stainbrook says it's not a secret around the league that Brian Callahan would love to have his father, Brown's offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, on his staff if he ever got a head coaching job. Now we wait and see if that happens. How do you not make that happen if you're the Tennessee Titans? I would assume that Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach, and thus the emphasis will be on the offensive line through free agency or whatever, because there's no more Mike Vrabel, who, according to Jim Wyatt, is the reason that they signed and played Andre Dillard in the mailbag. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the Saturday mailbag oh, dropped that little bombshell. Fun. And he flat out said that it was Vrabel. So there's no more of that idiot 
who maybe maybe he was the whole Dennis Daly thing. I don't know, but I don't know. At this point, all I know, Brian, I think it's Bill Callahan, offensive line coach, and I'm going to throw for defensive coordinator. I think I'm Mike McDonald Harris. Mm. Yeah, is he ready? It's a good question. Very I good. Think, I like it. Very good DB coach. How old is Bill Callahan? I I, I think. Uh, Sixties, I think. I think old he's enough to have, old enough to have a thirty-seven year old head coach son. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm kind of what I'm sitting here wondering. Uh, yeah, I think. Right. I, yeah. I Look, think my dad was born in '59, so and I'm 38, so I'm older than uh, Brian Callahan. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my dad was born in '55, so there you go, 67. Yeah. Um, I'm younger than Brian Callahan. Uh, yes, you are. You're you you too. Okay, fine. Easton got the last word in. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Stony, what you got? Yeah, I'm going to echo the uh, the Thomas Brown prediction. Uh, I'm yeah. Bill Callahan as well. I, I'm I'm hoping they can find spots for Charles London, for Mike Munchak, and David Shaw too. I, I think that's an all star cast on the offensive side of the ball. Evero from Carolina for DC is my pipe dream. Um, don't know how likely that is because it sounds like, you know, he's getting head coaching interviews. If nobody's going to take the Carolina job, he might just take it by default, but I would love to have him here. I think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty big triumvirate of your, your two coordinators and head coach right there. So it's my pipe dream. JT. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel either. Thomas Brown. I think, um, yeah, clean sweep. I think, I think really not just because, uh, obviously I think, Brian Callahan, I think, ends up calling the plays anyway. So this is a good place for Thomas Brown to till still develop his skills as an offensive kind of minded guy. It it kind of goes overlooked that he really hasn't had that much experience coaching. Um, obviously coming from that kind of Rams Sean McVay tree, but still only one year under his belt as an offensive coordinator. So I think that would be a perfect match for him to kind of learn under Brian Callahan as well. Um, I'm with Stoney. I would like to see Charles London retained as a quarterback's coach or be around Will Levis to continue his his develop and keep that consistency. And then I'm going to be honest, the, the one where I just really have no clue on, on the direction that they're going to go right now is defensive coordinator. Yep. Um, I don't hate the idea of keeping uh, a guy like Coach T around, like we said, as that guy who I think it goes overlooked that, I mean, for better or for worse, this defensive front line definitely loved Mike Vrabel and, and loved that the, the guys that they had here. So having a guy like Coach T stay around would probably do good for this for this locker room. And I still think he should deserve a shot as well. So I think I'm going to go with that one as a prediction. And, and you don't. There's no reason. To, there, there's no promotional thing you have to do to keep players from a coaches from a fired staff, right? Like it's not like if they kept Harris and Williams and London that they had to promote him. So I I don't know if any of the three. Well, I take this back. I don't know if Williams they're or Harris. They're technically does, not fired because they're under contract. You're they're just still, yeah, they're under still under so you just keep them in their same roles then. Okay, so then I, yeah. I I don't think that Williams and Harris deserve promotions yet. I like Harris a lot. I think they're great where they are. I think you go get somebody from outside the building to be your defensive coordinator. And I think it's a name that not a single human being will have reported on in this entire market. I, I don't think anybody that we mentioned is – I think it comes out of total left field. I'd love to oh, be Callahan. We'll see about that. This I'd, this guy, I'm pointing to myself for <laughs> the podcast losers. This I, guy I, has gave you a lot of names. You did, you did, you did. Uh, but I think it's I think it's Brown as OC with London in the same role. Get, maybe even quarterbacks coach move him over to that role potentially, and some stability mixed with the guy that you know. I, I I said it last week, and I said it today on the show. There's a reason Thomas Brown was involved in this process from the beginning. So uh, those are ultimately I got a, my predictions. I got an extra so. prediction. 
Go for it. Bill Callahan gets hired as the offensive line coach assistant head coach because you have to have a promotion here at the Tennessee Titans, unless the Browns are like like totally okay with like letting him go. Um, and Mike Munchak goes to the Cleveland Browns as their offensive line coach. Ooh, Munchak and Schwartz together. And <laughs> there- I'm done with this bottle of LaMarca Prosecco. Nice. Nicely done. <laughs> Is there a guy they could hire as offensive coordinator? that would make you change your mind as to who you would like calling the plays? Ben Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, feel, I think uh, that's the only one. I, the, the whole yeah. point, the whole it's fucking point in hiring Brian Callahan is to let him run the fucking offense. That's the whole point. I know, but, yeah, you, but there's I'm a, trying they, to shoehorn in my the fantasy of them hiring the an offensive coach and still getting their offensive coordinator scalp. That's what I'm trying to shoe, shoehorn in here. To be yeah, I, I think there's a difference between running the offense and, and calling the plays. I, I know, think there is, I know. There's a stark contrast to, in those two duties. Uh, I would say I don't think I can think of anybody that I would – Give more benefit of the doubt to than yeah. Brian Callahan, Frank Reich. <laughs> On that note, oh, hell no. <laughs> Frank Reich, he Frank Reich got it. He's like Adam Gase to me at this point. Like I do not want Frank Reich. Uh, and I know somebody asked this. I know it's probably PBK in the comments. It was like uh, no, no arranged marriages. I don't think anyone thinks that if Brian Callahan doesn't want one of these guys, this isn't Auburn football, guys. If Brian Callahan doesn't want these guys, they will not be retained. That's it. That that's the, that. If Amy Adams Strunk or Rand Carthon forces a coach onto Brian Callahan, then they shouldn't have their jobs, in my opinion. So, um, mm-hmm. I think we all can agree that this will be by choice, and it will be approved and agreed upon by Brian Callahan, your new and Titans guys, head football coach. Yeah, but these it? guys come with folders, right? And they obviously they have their the guys that they want on the staff. They also know what you have on staff and are, are it's not like they only have one guy and you have to take this guy. They have a list of guys that they feel that they can bring. And maybe that does include after he does some scouting on the Tennessee Titans in the second interview that says, Hey man, I'd really like to retain Chris Harris or I'd really like to retain T will or this or that, or I maybe I'd like to promote these guys. And, and it may not, but it's not going to be like you said, Braden, an arranged marriage. There is, there's nothing there that's going to be that 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 would be not learning from your bad process earlier. And what we have seen is that the uh, the head coach for the Tennessee Titans, no matter who it is, and this is like this for everywhere in the league, they get to pick their staff. Like every head coach picks their staff, except for, I guess, you know, yep. Dave Tepper and Frank Reich and that whole mess last year. But I think that uh, that is a the exception to the rule. Well, and most of this is probably already predetermined, right? Like this is a big part of what the in-person interview is, is okay. If we were to hire you, who would you bring in? How confident are you? Could yeah, you could bring them pretty in? quick? Look, what, look at what our, other, look at our what staff. Other, who would you like to keep? What other questions are you asking? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've never. <laughs> one I, of the main ones. One know. of the main ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, that and, out. you know, he's probably meeting. No, I'm, um, I'm agreeing with you. Aston. You yeah. know, he's met with Will Levis. He's probably yeah. saw him yesterday. I would assume since Thomas Brown was there the same day, they probably oh, talked to that person if they uh, haven't before. Ran into each other in the hallway. Poster. Hey, man, what are you here yeah. for? No, With, oh, what is this dry erase board and this marker? And this... <laughs> yeah. Why is this to dry me, erase just... board Will Levis and this marker doing in this hallway with Thomas That's Brown crazy. and yeah. Brian Callahan? I, All right, I Zach, just Zach I'm going to let you take it away, buddy. 
Well, that will do it for us here at Football and Other Efforts. I appreciate everybody joining us. I'm going to pass it to Stoney, who does have a good point. And if it's, oh. I swear oh. to God, if it's about fucking Mike Frabel being defensive <laughs> coordinator, I'm taking you off the ship. If I may, I, I jotted down some notes here so that I wouldn't interrupt anybody or talk talk over anybody. There's two things I jotted down that I want to mention on the way out. For one, uh, I'm not as worried about continuity with Will Levis because I think Will Levis is a complete and utter lunatic that will get up to speed. But I do think that this signifies the opening of a new window for the Tennessee Titans. And the next couple of years are, are going to be pretty exciting to see how this all pans out. Second note, uh, the tape shows Peter Skaronsky's a left guard. There you there go. go. I mean, that, I, I think that definitively the, says it. The, the window, I, the window, by the way, opens very fast as Cincinnati Bengals fans know. It opens extremely fast, um, but that means Rand Carthon has to do, and the staff have to do their job real fast. It's got to happen right now. Uh, we do have a comment about the uh, team pushing the idea of Dan Quinn. I don't think they pushed any idea of Dan Quinn. I don't remember seeing any other than scheduling an interview that could be easily canceled. Maybe it was a negotiation tactic. Maybe it just was just like, well, what if Bill Callahan and them can't find a negotiation? You know that is worthy of the contract and all that kind of stuff. Well, we'll keep on interviewing just in case, but I don't think anybody is, I, there's no Dan Quinn billboards in Tennessee and wasn't, I did not get a Christmas card with Dan Quinn on it. Wasn't there a general manager interview scheduled the day after Rand Carthon was announced yes. as the general manager? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What if, it just happens all the time. what if they were like, man, what if Dan Quinn gets fired in Dallas? Mm, could be defensive coordinator. Never know. Hey, speaking Never of know. scheduling, Never you know, know, the most important, come out of all of this is the narrative was trending but ben johnson doesn't even care to get to the titans on his interviews but now obviously the narrative is the titans didn't even care to get to ben johnson they didn't mind they didn't they hey didn't even i want brought that up actually in my Ooh. article for second inbox which i'm just gonna let fly it's gonna be totally out of date but fuck <laughs> it i'm just letting it fly because i ain't writing dead. one tonight it's just going but i talk about dan quinn brian johnson and uh Love david that. shaw and all those guys and they jet fish worry about it yeah, no, Jetfish yeah. was did not make it on the list. But uh, I need to talk about the whole Ben Johnson narrative about how, like, everybody thinks that, well, it's a, such an embarrassing thing that happened to the Tennessee Titans that Ben Johnson didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, just get over it. Mike Rabel got fired. We're in a new era. We don't give a shit about your personal feelings about Mike Rabel anymore, especially on Football and Other Efforts or NWI. Goodbye, NWI. Goodbye, Jack Gibby. Goodbye. Uh, who else is a, is a uh, TK McClendon? You're gone. Eric Guerra, Sia, Trey Avery, you're gone. Chris Moore, you're probably not back, and that's okay. Uh, you know, no, no, that just a mutual parting of ways for Chris Moore. Hopkins, uh, Andre Dillard's definitely gone. I mean, Did like all Aaron these Brewer? guys. Hopkins, yeah. Oh, yeah. Aaron Brewer, he is gone. Like <laughs> that guy is back. not coming back. Hopkins, go ahead, Easton. Just it, Hopkins do, is definitely like, coming back. Do we, so, oh guys, I was going to oh, say, do we think this changes the, the math on whether or not he's back? That's what I was asking. I would look at Jamar Chase's I, numbers and I would say, <laughs> I'll play. Yeah, it. I think Hopkins is open to the idea of Brian Callahan because he's also getting yes. paid the most part, the most money on this so. part of his contract, too. What about Rand? Do you think he, like, do, does Rand want, like, is there any interest so. in, in Rand deciding, like, let's just, you know, let's make, let's make the money, let's move on from Hopkins, let's start fully fresh? Oh God, that would be the worst thing to do. Will Levis, it feels like I don't know. I agree, but Cal well, Calvin, Calvin Ridley and yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins are going to make a spectacular one-two punch. 
Do you want Calvin Ridley? I, I, think, I think DeAndre yes. Hopkins stays because I think yeah. he likes oh, Will Levis. And I think the market kind of soured on him. So I think I think I think DeAndre Hopkins is still here next year. I hope so. Yep. I hope so. All right. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an extension for DeAndre Hopkins on around the horizon. Okay. That would Seven make years. sense for all blue grass beverages. There we go. Blue grass what does this all mean like for Colton Dowell, though? though? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> he's what gonna is, be rehabbing do you next think year. that he came in do you think he like this is how i want to uh build this Damn team it's Tony. will levis ty j spears josh wiley colton dow we're gonna do it we're gonna do it with these guys colton dow uh, i would like to eat dinner colton dow's my odd and tate <laughs> bluegrass beverages bluegrass everybody beverages. There it is. Tennessee. only okay. one of us has finished an entire bottle of liquor tonight you can tell which one <laughs> there you go yes who we it like was. to have fun of football and other f-words we're not as buttoned <laughs> up as you other big big p shows your big, big p shows capital podcast i'm putting that in the bio capital p, p podcaster capital p podcasters over here uh we like to have fun on football and other efforts and that's why people oh. tune in every week and we are glad that everybody decided to join us as the only i guess podcast network that actually went live big p. <laughs> after this big old tights thing got uh, news broke. So football and other F-words. And you have all just been F'd.